Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. I got Frank here. Uh, Mike and Adam are actually shooting the Pawnee match this weekend. They're up there at the NOCO. Uh, weather held out really great for them. It was supposed to be nasty, rainy, you know, just some really bad weather here. And it ended up just being kind of gray and cool. So it should be a pretty good event for them. And they hopefully won't have the crazy winds that they've been having. I'm pretty sure Mike and Adam are going to be doing some podcast stuff either the way there or the way back. <laughs> He's driving back roads. So um, they're, they're going to be talking about what's going on at the Pawnee match. Uh, a lot of things happening, been in and out. Uh, we're getting ready, number one, our class next week. We have the second class of the year for Mile High. Um, the training detachment with Mike and myself, we're doing another precision rifle class. So everybody will be showing up on Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll have that class. We're already booking into October now. and We got several students up and running for October. I believe August is full. Um, you know, if, if, if you really wanted to get in, there might be a slaughter tool available because I do go over what I give them for a limit. I tend to tell them that I want 10 students and we'll end up booking around 12 because one or two will always not show up uh, as in, you know, May's class is going to have 11. We originally started with 13, you know, so it's just, that's the way people's schedules go. So it's, um, it's going to be happening the next week. So we'll be out there with some guys and, um, I want to talk about some stuff prior couple uh, you know, comments, questions, and things about the different stuff we've been talking about. It comes up. And it's it's good. I, I love the dialogue. I love the discussions. I love the back and forths with everybody. Uh, one of the ones, one of the uh, a good point. I think it was uh, Lou Smith or somebody uh, put on about why the spindrift calculations could be wrong. And part of it was that we're measuring the length of the bullets for this stuff, but the sort of the lead underneath does not go all the way inside under the jackets. So is there a variation that we're seeing that? It's, I don't know, you know, that's one of the questions and, and he posted some, um, cutaways, but you know, it's funny. Um, I keep getting guys with software who are, who, who want to true, who want to do their software. It, you know, it doesn't matter who software you're using. We're, we're big advocates of software. I don't care if you're using applied ballistics. I don't care if you're using Traceall. I don't care if you're using ballistics AE, Whatever the case, uh, a couple really good questions in, in along these lines came up. And, you know, one of them was one of the guys was using Ballistic AE, having good results, and he wanted to get a Kestrel. So now how do you link to your, your phone with a Kestrel to get your wind and your atmospherics a little bit better? Because that is a very important component. I'm a big proponent of a Kestrel of some kind for atmospherics. Our weather, our temps, all that stuff is a giant variable. So in the question that was asked, and sorry, I don't have a, a, it up in front of me to give who, who asked the question, but I do appreciate what he was asking. Um, you know, where was he going to go with money? And, and, you know, do I get a 5700 with AB in it, but he's already happy with ballistics AE. Do I get a D3 drop? And then use a Kestrel and use the D3 drop to link. Well, when I, you know, and it was a good question. I really appreciated it. And one of the things that I looked at is I went to Kestrel's website and I started crunching numbers and looking at the price form. Because it's, it's a question that 
I don't really have a, a dollar answer to. I could say, oh yeah, get this. Oh yeah, do that. But then it becomes a case of, well, where are we money-wise? And I always try to protect your guys' money as best I can. And and so when I was looking at it, he was looking at a 5,500 with iLink. So that'll do it all itself. Well, that was one price. But then as I started looking around, I found he can get the 5,000 model, the Kestrel 5000 with iLink. And it was the cheapest solution to link to your phone without having to go software and all the other routes. Because what tends to happen is, is it becomes redundant. Okay, you know, the SIG Laser's got AB in it. Your Kestrel's got AB in it. Your phone's got AB on it. And in some ways, that's good because you become, you know, well-versed in that software. And the more they put it in, the better it is. The problem is the more people buy, the more copies of it they're paying for. And and that's kind of like, ah, uh, you know, you, you already know this. You already got good tracks. Everything's working. So when I started crunching these numbers, I found the 5,000 with iLink is your best dollar for dollar solution to link to another device that can take a Kestrel Bluetooth link. And, you know, for years there was stuff where the Apple phones and things didn't link to Bluetooth. So you couldn't do that. You had to go Android or something to that effect. But then they started creating solutions and then the link came up and you know, now Kestrel can connect and there's the Kestrel app that that ties them together. So to me, I found crunching the numbers for uh, the, the, the guy asking the question, that that 5,000 model Kestrel, I think it's like 259, ends up being your best dollar for dollar solution. And then when you, well, it was 259 and then it was like 60 bucks to add a link to it. So then it became, but you know, there was the other ones he was looking at were closer to 390 in cost. So I ended up getting them like a 320 solution versus a 390 solution. And I think even with the link, it turned it into like 420. So that was a, was kind of one of those good questions to save people money. And I appreciate you guys uh, sending it over and, and asking me, um, then it's in the conversation going back to, you know, and I'm not going to get into the whole spindrift thing again. We already got into that several times now. But one of the guys came on and said, hey, by the way, you should use Lapua's Sixtoff because they have six degree software, which is, you know, it, it, you can tell it's doing stuff. And I use a lot of Lapua bullets, you know, like the 136 load that I had with the Tika. And so question came up. He's like, why aren't you using six stuff from Lapua? It'll do spin drift better. It'll do all these things better. And I said, well, I can't get it to work. And Lapua's is free. It's one of those value added things. So there's not a whole lot of support, but there is some horsepower under that engine. And each time I've gone with my 136 grain Cenar load, it gives me bad info. And what... I think might be, and he found, so then he PMs me. It was the guys from Fin Accuracy, uh, Jarno there, and, and, and those guys are super smart. They're keyed in with Lapua. They do this stuff on a professional basis like we do here, and, and you're like me in, in a lot of ways, and they're very technical-minded. Um, and because they interact a lot more military-wise, they, they, they'll, they'll crunch numbers 
uh, you know, and really look at it. So I started giving him my data. I started showing it and, and I went and checked. I said, well, I had all the data from the Tika and I have it in number one. It can't go left hand for the gain twist. No big deal. Turn off your Coriolis and stuff. It, it's not that big. You just kind of cut out the horizontal part a little bit. So then I start putting the numbers in with the 136 and it's not managing the barometric right. It's like something's weird with it that it, as an example, my 1125 yard target was um, 9.2 to hit it, real world. So 1125, 136 grain load, Tika, Bartland gain twist, 9.2 mils to 1125 yards. Good hits. So when I put that into Lapua's software, it gives me 10.8, 10.6. That's a lot. That's a huge variation. And the only thing, and he saw a couple bugs because he has a developer version of it. But the only thing he can kind of figure is it's not managing the barometric correctly because I'm above sea level. You know what I mean? So the fact that I'm 5,000 feet above sea level, it wasn't working and wouldn't do the 2425 as well as it wanted to do 2930 barometric, 2992, right? So I'm... 2489, 2992, and, and so it, it, I couldn't get a good solution out of it with my real world data. Yet I put all that same real world data into Traceal and it spits out 92, like boom, first out of the gate. And unfortunately, as we've mentioned, you know, with Desert Tech, they've been slow in, in or in the last year, haven't replaced their developer. So there, there's been with upgrades to Apple or Android, you have to also kind of chase those Apple and Android updates with the app updates. And they're not doing that. So guys will see the Apple crash. They'll have to remove it, reinstall it. And so it becomes an annoying process. So nobody wants to take that jump. But honestly, the Traceal engine really does smoke them all, and that's because it's based off a of cold bore. So I could put in real-world data with that, and it spits out a real-world number. Okay, now here's the other question that came in, and it kind of is funny because I've had it happen online a lot, way too much. But then I went into Mile High yesterday to pick up the Kraken and a couple other stuff. Kadex sent over the Kraken and, the, and, and a few other things for me. Uh, to be re reviewing and doing stuff with you uh, with you guys. And um, he said, this guy who had taken a class with me previously when I had taught at another range was asking, you know, and, and he took the class probably got going on three years ago, four years ago now. And he's at, he's saying, well, Frank didn't set up my Kestrel four years ago. And I don't really think we were using them to that degree four years ago. In that class, it was in an actual classroom in an indoor range, I was doing JBM with everybody. So what I would do is I had internet access. I'd pull everything up. I'd pull JBM up. And, and JBM, the nice thing with JBM is it's free. It's online, yada, yada. But what happens is it's virtually the same inputs. And it gives you a printout of what inputs you're using. So I liked it as a teaching tool because I can pull it up, I can show you what I'm doing, and we can spit out data. And, and I do find JBM is one of those, put in some good data, you get a good result out, because it doesn't have any of these um, 
developer uh, creative licensing things that to me is what messes it all up. These guys get a little creative under the hood. They're trying to, to, to put in variables that the software really can't handle. So they're doing flat rate and different things. And, and to me, it messes it up. Where if you get something that says, well, we can't handle that variable, so we're not going to include that variable, like a spindrift or Coriolis, and so we're not going to use it. And I find the solutions are great. You know, I use JBM a lot for Tri-Dope because I can print it out here before I leave. I know basic starting points through my experience. And if I needed to, I can, I can get going. So then when I'm done, I'll record my data anyway. And this is a key part. I'm going to go out. I'm going to shoot it. And this is the point I'm trying to get to just slowly. You got to shoot it. Because the question came in to Mike uh, for the class that this guy's going to be taking the class and his Kestrel's not set up. And so Mike had some basic questions for him and, and, and he, he hadn't shot the rifle to distance. I can't tell you what it's going to do, dude. I cannot tell you your AB Kestrel is going to be right. I'm, I could be off like that Lapua. 1.5 mil off. You know, of course, closer distance inside 1,000 yards, especially inside 800 yards, odds are you're going to be within the error factor of the target size. You'll hit something or be really, really close. That's just the way all the software works. The clo- it angles, right? The closer in we are, the smaller the angle, the less the error, the more chance you're going to hit, even if your data is not 100% perfect. But once you start going out to distance, these errors get big and big and big. If you are going to true your software, you have to shoot your rifle. That sounds like common sense, doesn't it? If you're going to true your software, you have to shoot your rifle. They don't. There's a ton of people who don't. There's people who plan on getting a certain rifle and will buy the software first. Or will download more than one version of software and try to pit them head to head. Again, creative license with the developers, all this stuff, they don't match up to each other because one handles a number one way and the other handles a number the other way because the, the, the underlying engine really can't manage what we're doing. So the developer puts in things to compensate, right? Penile extensions and stuff. So... What really comes down to is you got to shoot this stuff, guys. You got to go out and record data. And unfortunately, the minimum range for this has to be 800 yards. Minimum. Farther is better. If you look at the um, DSFF for truing in like your applied ballistics Kestrel, with a lot of our calibers and stuff nowadays... That could be twelve to fourteen hundred yards away. They want you to true that. You may not have access to that amount of distance at your range. So then you kind of have to create a new track a little shorter, or try to fudge it in, or do whatever. But they'll it'll say, "Hey, I want you to do this at fourteen hundred because you're shooting a fast flat caliber, and you don't have that range. So you're 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 taking shortcuts right there in the truing. Eight hundred's your bare minimum." Got to put a round on target and then match it up that way. 
once you're there, you're probably within a one-minute square at distance error factor. You could be in a little more. You could be in as much as two minutes of error. That's a half mil. A half mil error in your software is two minutes downrange. So if that's an 800, that could be 16 inch that you need, right? So it's it's the angle again. Where with this Lapua software, it's off 1.5 mils. 1.5. So that's, you know, really, really big. You're looking in your six, seven minute error now. Right? Big. So you got to shoot it. And then you got to try to develop that drop and figure out what, how your gun manages that bullet, how that bullet flies. I mean, because, you know, we're seeing more and more stuff. It, it, variations in barrels, variations in speed. It's not as cut and dry to say, my rifle shooting this fast, my drop is this. Because there, there's, there's runout errors, there's bullet errors, there's things that the BC may not be advertised. You know, if you're going slower than advertised, your BC's dropping down, it's going to start going dropping faster. So it, it may not trend in track. A hundred percent. It's not, in other words, here's the easy answer. This stuff's not linear. It's billed as being linear. A lot of the software is addressing it as if it's linear, but it's not always linear. And talking with Jim Boatwright, Gus Ruiz, and guys behind, you know, Jim does the coning theory, Gus does cold bore, and those guys work together in some of the papers they put out on Sniper's Hide. They acknowledge that linear solutions aren't working, and that's why they're seeing errors in stuff like aerodynamic jump and spin drift and Coriolis, because when the software can't manage it correctly, it gets addressed in a linear fashion, and we're not, it doesn't work that way linear-wise, you know? There is a certain element of it, but not big enough that you can solve it or not consistent enough that linear solutions will solve it. They get you close. And with our personal error factor, our shooter drift, our shooter errors, it may get lost in that noise. But the better you get, the smaller that noise is going to become. And then you can start to get outside of your own error noise. And that's some of the things I tend to see with some of the other guys, you know? So why we look at this from a different standpoint so bottom line is you gotta, gotta shoot this stuff before you go to software. Listen, I get it with like some of the military law enforcement guys who may not have access to the range, who may be in a fob and can't do this. And how, how are they going to manage shooting it? You got to pick out something, one target at 800 yards, a truing target, whatever it is, one round on it, get you where you're going to go. And I would actually do a group, but you know, get a round on it. Figure out what that good distance is. Get that number and true up to that. That'll at least get you sort of minute a man, two MOA, good, and you and you'll you'll clean up some of that noise. But if you're 
getting your software first, taking your rifle out second. And, and I get it. Some people, some people, you know, order the rifle, look for a scope, then decide what they're going to shoot. But in the meantime, they bought software and they're waiting to put all these pieces together. So they're excited. So what are they doing? They're playing with their software. Yeah, if you're going to play with the software, number one, software is not a game. If you want to do that, go get like the shooter, what was it, shooter ready or the one that does the mill reading and all that and you can play with it. There are games that help you like with mill reading and different stuff, but that software in the game is also true. You know what I mean? So it's not like you're starting from scratch. It's not like it's asking you to do something and it's playing with you. They should make a game that basically... You know, you, you put, you put your, you chronograph and do your rifle and you set it all up up front and then they give you like a little 50 foot error in your muzzle velocity. Then you got to go and true it in the train up mode and determine where your hits are and then go back in and correct the software, then start playing the game. You know, that's really how that should work. So that's kind of what I'm getting at is, is you to true your software correctly. You got to shoot it at distance. You know, whatever you got to do to get that that one shot on target. If your range only goes to 400 yards, you're not doing any yourself any favors truing at that shorter range. You know, 200, 300, 400 yard, you're, 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 yeah, you, you, you may go somewhere else. And if they put a full-size Ipsic at 1,000 yard, you're going to hit it. You know, that's because that thing's caught of like 2 to 4 M away tall. But. It's really not right yet. So, you know, good tips and everything like that. Uh, the questions coming in, I appreciate it. W quick note to change subjects a little bit. Full 30s up and running. I got the Sniper's Hide, you uh, not YouTube, uh, the Full 30 Sniper's Hide channel is up and running. I've started uploading some of my cherry picked. I'm doing some of the better videos because I have a hundred and something. I have a lot of them. I don't even know how many now, but um, I'm starting to upload them. I have to reconvert them. So there's a bit of a process. I have to put them into compressor. I have to convert the videos to a different format because uh, full 30 only uses MP4 and I tend to do them in dot movie files, even though it's that still 264 um, format. It's not the right wrapper. So, but I am uploading videos to full 30. If you guys want to get away from YouTube and, and start putting it towards the smaller gun-friendly kind of situation, jump off of YouTube, go over to full 30, find the Sniper's Hide channel and subscribe. I know within the first day we had, a, you know, like a hundred and something subscribers and I appreciate that. Thank you guys. Um, as you may have saw on Facebook, some of you, um, that the... Uh, Everyday Sniper, I got a few of the patches. I got to order more. I didn't order nearly as much as I thought. I kind of just did it to see what they come out like. But um, I got some of the Everyday Sniper patches. Mike stuck one on some uh, Porsche's wing on the back. Coffee. And so uh, we're, we're, there's some at Mile High. If you go into Mile High, he may have some. I'll have to bring him some more. I have another stack here. Uh, but we do have the Everyday Sniper with a full 30 uh, channel is up and running. And uh, the Everyday Sniper website will be get going. I'm probably going to work on it a bit today. Um, got, a, got a night race for NASCAR. Maybe I'll sit in front of the computer and play with it while I'm watching the race or listening to it, you know? One of those deals. So 
put some eyes on the Everyday Sniper website. Uh, it, like I said, it's it's just a basic template right now with the placeholder stuff. There's a cool picture of Mike in there. She looks pretty. <laughs> so uh, we'll do. Speaking of my, so I go into Mile High yesterday. I don't, I don't want to stir up too much trouble. That's why I do it a little far. Maybe maybe I've lost a few people, which is good. Um, no, I'm only kidding. But I go into Mile High yesterday. And there's this kind of meeting going on, and it's like a big powwow of the head guys. And so Adam and Mike are back there. So I walk back there like, do-do-do-do-do, Frank's in the house, wearing my slippers. Even one of the guys listening, he's like, dude, you really do wear slippers everywhere you go. Because I had my slippers on. And I'm like, hell yeah, man, I'm in my slippers. So I go in the back. And uh, so it's kind of like, uh, what's this I hear? You're telling somebody to eat a dick. And I'm like... Who, me? That doesn't sound like me. Are you sure I told somebody to eat a dick? <laughs> I was in total denial. <laughs> so Adam and Mike are turning beet red laughing. And I'm like, man, that, that just doesn't sound like me. Now, did I, did I tell somebody specifically to eat a dick that you spoke to? Or did I tell somebody for somebody to eat? I'm really not quite clear on what I said and how I did it. But it didn't sound like me. I mean... Would I go on Sniper's Hide and, and, and tell somebody to eat a dick? I, I doubt it. I mean, unless you deserved it and you were like some kind of troll or something, you know? But the, the funny thing is even funnier is the fact that somebody called Mile High to tell on me that I told them to eat a dick. I'm not confirming or denying that I told somebody to eat a dick. And I won't necessarily say it's committed to writing on Sniper's Hide, but there is a 50-50 chance that I told somebody to eat a dick. <laughs> and that they told on me. <laughs> Dude, 50-something years old, man. You can call mom and tell I vote. Ma, Frank's making fun of me! <laughs> Here's the thing, too. Oh, I got another comment. I want to see him on this part. This is funny. I get a lot of comments. You've got Napoleon syndrome. Why are you such a Napoleon? I, I can tend to be an internet bully because I don't like trolls, man. I don't like people who are friggin' try to insult everybody's intelligence, who try to play these little semantic games or do something. So if somebody's an, an idiot or, you know, they, they do the big. All the time you get, you know, Tom Hanks in big. I don't get it. And, and it's like you explain to them, okay, this is why we do it. I don't get it. And it's like, okay, now you're just being a jerk. Fuck off. And then they get upset. You're just Napoleon. You got Napoleon complex. Well, I looked up Napoleon complex. And number one, they said they did a study either in 2003 or 2013. I forget. But there was a study regarding the Napoleon complex. And what I didn't know about this is the Napoleon complex actually focuses around a temper. The idea is that short guys get angry quicker when confronted by bigger guys or anything. I guess it'd be any situation that we get angry. Dude, I'm not mad. I'm bored. The thing is that when I do this, if I come back and say something where I start playing with you like that, I'm probably bored. I'm probably sitting there. There's nothing on TV. I got my iPad up. And, and I, and you know, boop, thing comes up and somebody comes on a Facebook or YouTube or sniper side and goes, I don't get it. I mean, like, that's because you're too stupid to watch my channel. 
Well, they think I'm mad. They think that's like a Napoleon complex. Well, they found there is no truth to the theory behind a Napoleon complex, that people get angry and they lash out equally. But on top of that, I'm not mad. I'm laughing. I'm like completely cracking up. You got to look at this as like the Howard Stern method. You know, I grew up listening to Stern on NBC. I grew up, I mean, Stern was in Hartford. I grew up, I heard him then, you know, 106, CCC. CCC is a good rock station in Hartford. The guys are in Connecticut, right? 106, WCCC. So then he went to NBC. Well, I think Washington first, and then he went to NBC. But we listened to Stern religiously. So that frames kind of my mindset. If you watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's still on HBO right now. When he does that Bon Jovi induction, watch it. It's at the very end. Bon Jovi's the last people they bring in. Watch the induction of Bon Jovi into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by Howard Stern. See if it doesn't sound just a little bit familiar. Because to me, I was like, dude, that sounds like me. But really, I sound like him. So I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm not like, you know, this little tiny temper tantrum running around, man. I'm not Tasmanian devil in it. No. I'm laughing. I think it's funny. When I'm bored, it makes me happy. It's something for me to do. Okay? In between all the precision rifle talk, in between all the numbers and all the software and all the different features and stuff, there has to be something there that you know, Mike had asked me, well, what do you do for fun? Well, I troll trolls back. It's kind of what I do for fun, you know? So anyway, also, big thing, in the Sniper's Hide forum, in the scope section, I have the discount code for the Revic scopes in MOA, $419, $412 off the price of a Revic. Um... I don't have the code in front of me. It's like sniper. It's like SHPMR18. SHPMR18, I believe, is the code. It's going to last for 30 days. Gives you 400 bucks off. People were bit, right? If you guys saw my rants on discount codes, I just scored you a discount code of $400 off. Why is that a bad thing? Because I'm letting everybody use it? You guys can all go get the discount code and get a Revic PMR 4-28. That's a Vortex-style scope wrapper with Gunworks and Revic's ballistic software in it, which works really good. HUD. You can use it as a normal scope. You can use it as a digital scope. You can do whatever you want. It only takes a single AAA battery in the throw lever part. It works. It's an elegant design. If you're an MOA shooter, if you're a guy, here's the deal. If you're not interested, in, and you can do it, but if you're not interested in going to competition and you're going to communicate with everybody in Mills, if you just want to be an MOA guy and you can in the software, the great thing with the Revic, you could do it all by range. You can say, instead of saying that targets 400 yards, I need, you know, 1.8 mil or... I need seven and a half MOA. You can just turn around and say 400 yards, dial till it reads four, shoot it and hit it. 
Okay, the next target is 555. Dial till it says 555, shoot it and hit it. Dial till it says 670, shoot it and hit it. Dial till it says 735, shoot it and hit it. Because it goes by range. Now you could put an MOA number in there, you can toggle it. You can say, no, give me the give me the value. And then you can say, I need this many MOA and read it out in the HUD too. You could dial it on the turret and then read it out in the HUD. Or you could just turn the turret and the HUD will give you a range. $400 discount on a $2,800 scope. So you're going to get a digital, do everything, one product that's got weather reading in it. It's a 4 to 28. It looks just like a Vortex Razor. Same DNA. $2,400. It's just MOA. No big deal because the software is good. The software works. Okay? It's 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 a elegant, good design, and I have a discount code. Sniper's Hide, Rifle Scope section. It's the second one from the top. Go in there and it says, I have the Revit code is the name of the thing. It's I have it. It lasts for 30 days. So you got 30 days to scrape up 2400 bucks, and you can get a Revit. Really, I mean... You got to thank Gunworks and all those guys for for doing that for Hyde members. It, discount codes, man, they work. They work for everybody. They give you a deal. They bring you to me because I have the code. And they create sales for the company. So that means they could do more because they're actually selling stuff. So there you go. That's That's the thing with the discount codes, guys. Do those discount codes. I put in, when I did the Revic, I just put in my straight data and it was off 25 yards at 1,500 with no truing. 25 yards. That's it. Okay? So, true it up. Boom, you bring it right in. But even then, 25 yards is no big deal. Anyway, Revic discount codes. All right, I'm going to cut this one in short. I got some things to do. Kraken's here. Uh, I have the two Falcon bipods here to take a look at. Oh, God, speaking of bipods, Casey, I have the Cal bipod, the Canton Lock bipod, the new one from Atlas. I've had it for a couple months now, month or two. I don't know, two at the most. Let's call it 60 days. I've had the Cal bipod. I really like it. I think it's an awesome, uh, for guys who weren't Atlas fans, this will make you the biggest Atlas fan ever, the way that Cal Lock does. Well, since I've gotten it, Casey has sent me two like spring upgrade kits because people we were they're playing with that lock and some people want it tighter. I don't have an issue with the tightness on mine. I think it's perfect. I've seen some people say they need to tighten it up or do something. I don't okay, that's cool. He's mailed out to everybody. Two spring upgrades where they've tweaked this and they don't, it just comes in the mail. You're an owner, boom. This little package comes in, there's instructions. Hey, unscrew this, take this out, pull this spring out, put that spring in. Also, I'm, I'm switched over to the really right stuff plates. I've taken off the uh, ADM plate from the Atlases and stuff. In Harris, they have the adapters, they have this at mile high, the really right stuff. It's the Arca Swiss, but it's the really right stuff dovetail. It's it's the really right stuff dovetail with the pick rail insert. So it does both a pick rail in the middle and the Arca Swiss really right stuff dovetail on the outside. And it has the silver wheel and it's just a tiny replacement plate. 
love it. Greatest upgrade ever. No more do you have to try to play, you know, I always, when I switch from rifle to rifle with the bipods, with those ADM plates, I'm always having to readjust the tension, you know, and you got to push that screw through. You got to turn the nut a little bit, pull it out, try it. Okay, not quite. Oh, too much now. Go back. Pop it through, return it the other way. This just has the, the tensioning wheel and it spins really nice and free. It's like precision ground wheel. And it says, whoop, lines right, tightens right up. Look at the Tika video. You'll see it in there. I love that bipod. I love that mount on that bipod. And you can slide it on if you do like a hard gear Dan Hansen rail and underneath your rifles and everything. You can slide it and move it super easy now. Just give it like a quarter push away, loosen it up. Slide it to where you want. It'll still stay on really well. And then just roll your thumb back to get a little tightening. It's quick. You can move it fast. No more are you dedicated to a stud or a specific spot on a rail, anything like that. That mount is worth its weight in gold. I replaced three, I think, bipods so far with it. Mile High has them, and I've been grabbing them off the shelf. Dude, I mean, even like I'm so hungry for them. I'm grabbing them retail. I'm not even asking really right stuff. Hey, can I get a good guy insider? Hell no. I'm just going and buying it because it's not expensive. It works like a rock star. Mile High's got them in stock right there. In fact, I sit there on Mike's desk or I go in the back and I'm, I'm switching them out right there. They're that good and they're worth it that much. So look at that really right stuff bipod adapter that replaces it. goes on a Harris. It goes on an Atlas. Good, good stuff. Definitely recommend it. Um, the new Cal locking thing, the support that Casey's given everybody is like, let me tell you what, man. People bitch because it's expensive and all that. Number one, they work. Number two, they support it. And it's it's stuff like this. This guy, and he send everybody. I'm reading it. I'm getting all these things in the mail. And I'm going, I don't need them. It works fine, but I have them. But then I'm looking in the thread because the thread keeps coming up. It's like eight pages in or something. And I'm like, why is that thread up again? Oh, they got a new uh, spring for these guys. Oh, they did this. Oh, and the people are coming on. And they're not even in like full production yet. But Casey's getting feedback and adjusting for, for you guys. Harris does nothing. Everything Harris is aftermarket. That's why I don't talk about them that much. I don't like them. They're stiff. They're at, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, I have them. I have dozens of them. But I go over to that. And now I have the Kdex ones and this, you know, there's a lot. Bipods are a big, big deal. And I get it. And, and the prices have gone up. I get that. But who just came out? Somebody just, oh, Magpul, we were talking about that the other day. 109 bucks. But anyway, you, you get where I'm coming from. Uh, take a look at this stuff, the new products that are coming out. It's a worthwhile upgrade, especially if you're like me and not a fan of that little throw lever on, on sort of the atlases, the ADM. I think the really right stuff is a great improvement. All right, guys, I'm going to split. I'm going to get this up for you, get it up and loaded. Shoot your rifles. Weather's changing, man. We're out there. Gotta, I'm, I've knocked my physical therapy back. I'm running out of things. I got to go back to the VA and see what they say. So I'm going to be out on the range more. Classes start next week. See you guys next week. Um, it's going to be a good time. I think our weather's going to be good, though. We're supposed to get some crazy winds in the afternoons, uh, looking like 18-mile-an-hour winds again for the class, which I think will be good for the wind part. So, um, you know, we'll see you guys then.
Thanks for listening to the Everyday Sniper. Thanks for, you know, supporting Mike at Mile High. Uh, That helps. Believe me, when, when guys call up to tell mommy on me, they're probably calling up and trying to tell mommy on Mike. And the fact that you guys are supporting Mike so well uh, really helps because he can say, yeah, but look, you know, this guy got an axe to grind, but look. And, you know, don't troll me and I won't tell you to eat a dick. <laughs> All right, guys, have a great afternoon. Have a great uh, weekend. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Later. <laughs>